you're listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. This is a sermon from our series, I Am, a picture of Christ through the Gospel of John. If you would like to find out more about us, please visit our website at cbcsavannah.com. Good morning. Take a seat. Welcome. My name is RJ Lago. I work primarily with middle school students, so by this time, I'm actually excited for this service, so usually I've pegged a couple of kids in the, in the face with the dodgeball by now, and so I'm ready when I'm, that's usually like my energizer going into a game, and, or going into a lesson, so you get, you get the benefits of second service of already having that, that preaching going on. So, hey y'all, I am excited to finish this series on the I Am Statements, not because it's been a bad series. It's been a great series to see the Lord work through the series. Um, and then get to get in the next one in Colossians too. But last week, if you were here during second service, you definitely heard it. Bill made a comment about how this series, how early on we picked all of our, uh, all of our statements and our claims and whatnot, and how Clint, you know, is tall and he's kind of like the vine, you know, and Talaba's the nice pastor and all that. And he made a comment. I think it was a fat joke, Okay. And I I believe it was a fat joke because a lot of you in second service, I was standing outside and you come outside and you're like, Bill called you fat. And I'm like, ow. And so I go back to listen to the podcast, which is on there. And I was like, man, he did make a call. (laughs) He did do that. Because he said, RJ likes bread. That's why he chose this one, right? And I just want to say something. Listen to me. I am proud that my mama gave me bread growing up so that I could grow past 5'3". Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? I can ride all the rides at Disneyland. I don't, I'm taller than that, right? Yeah, let's go, let's go. He's not even in this service, so I feel bad about it, but whatever. Anyway, anyway. Hey, y'all, I am excited to be with you. I, I, I love this. I love preaching to the church that I'm at. I'm not good at it, but I just love it. Um, and so I'm excited to be with you this morning. And uh, I was gonna dog on the state of Ohio because I, I really don't like the state of Ohio, but there has been a shooting there. And so I really, we just need to be praying for them this week and whatnot. Um, but speaking of Ohio, my wife and I, we met at Bible College in Louisville, Kentucky. And so I would, sometimes when we had chance, we would go preach a different, or I'd go preach at different places. And, um, and so we were driving up to Columbus, Ohio in the middle of the winter, and it was awful, all right? The, the streets of Ohio, you don't believe me if you haven't been there, but if you have been there, you'll know what I'm talking about. There are more potholes on the streets of Ohio than there are people. It's awful. And so I'm driving like crazy, not fast, just trying to, like, just trying to get out of the way of these potholes. And I see one coming up, and it's so wide, I don't know where it ends, and it's so deep, I don't know where it finishes. And I just try to get out of the way, but I couldn't, and it just sucks my tire in, it pops my tire, and then I have to change the tire on the side of the road, and it was brutal, and it was awful, it was cold, right? And I feel like this, this series on the I Am Statements has been a series on what we do with potholes, that sounds weird, right? And if I just ruined the series for you, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry about that. But I, I've loved this series. And I feel that way because when it comes to a pothole, how do we fix that issue? We gotta fill it. And do we fill it with whoopee cushions? No, we gotta fill it with the right material, with the right thing. And so this I Am series has been, what are we filling our lives with? Are we filling it with the one who claims, I am, ego a me, I am God? Are we filling our lives with him 
Which if you noticed in all of his claims, to quote a great theologian, Talava Ratzimba Harrison, he said that in 2019, we can make claims about ourselves, and everybody else has to believe him, but Jesus makes seven claims about himself and nobody believes him. And so if you've noticed all of these claims, right, all these I am statements, has Jesus pointed us anywhere but himself? He is the door, the good shepherd, and we're the sheep. We need that. We are lost, we are blind, we are needing the way, the truth, and the life so that we might go to the Father and have peace with him. He is the light that guides us. He is the resurrection because we're dead. He is the vine that we, the branches, need to be connected to to have life. And I feel like this, this last claim, the bread of life, bread of life, summarizes them all very well. And that's why I'm excited to go last and finish this series because I really feel as though after I stole all the material from all these series, I just like just took them all from all. We're just doing a recap, basically. I just stole material from the last sermons. Um, but I feel like it's really summarized well in this last bread of life. And this is what we're gonna see today. Jesus proves this promise to us. He proves this promise to us that your life will be unsatisfied without Christ. Your life will be empty, joyless, purposeless without Christ. So Christ claims today. So Christ claims today. So let's see in his word, not what RJ has to say about that, but what he has to say. If you've got a Bible, open up to John chapter six. We're gonna be in verse 25, verse 25, and up to this point, the verses one to 24, Okay, Jesus has just fed 5,000 plus people. So we don't know how many exactly, but we know at least 5,000 men. So possibly like 15,000, including women and children. So a lot of people, he feeds them all and they get excited. And they're like, this dude can feed us. We should make him king. Because a lot of kings say they'll feed us, but they can't do it, but he can do it. So Jesus recedes away and he's like, that's not how I'm going to be made king I'm gonna go to the cross. That's how I would be made king. So he recedes away. The 12 get in the boat. They go across the water and he walks on water, gets in the boat with them. And then a day later, they find him at Capernaum. The the 5,000 plus people walk around looking for Jesus. And we should be excited about that, right? We should be excited that the crowd has come this far looking for Jesus. But they've come for the wrong purposes. They've come for the wrong reasons. And we're gonna see that now. Look at verse 25. And we're gonna break this big passage up, so stay with me. When they found him on the other side, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? When did you arrive? It's a good question, right? When did you get here? It's not bad. But Jesus answered them saying, truly, truly, pay attention, pay attention. I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You don't care about me, you care about the gifts I can give you. You don't, give, you don't give a rip about Jesus. You just care about the benefits that he can give you. And so he exposes them, really brings a light because he is the light of the world, brings a light to their situation, right? 27, do not work for the food that perishes. Don't strive trying to earn your way for food that perishes, but, in, but instead for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you. For on him, God the father has set his seal. 28, they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? What do we have to do, Jesus, for you to be quiet and for you to give us bread? 
We're gonna see why in, a se- in, in the next part, but this is what he says to them. Jesus answered them saying, this is the work of God. And this is important for our statement today because we cannot understand what the bread of life is until this statement. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That you have to believe. That's where satisfaction starts. Your life will be unsatisfied without Christ. Your heart will be a pothole needing to be filled, but it can be filled. And this is how we find satisfaction. You can be satisfied in Christ by first believing. We gotta start there. We have to start here. And when we hear Jesus talking about believing, sometimes we're like, okay, Jesus, you know, I walked an aisle, I believe, I raised my hand, all this stuff, I believe. We, we think about believing sometimes, like a vaccine, like a child gets, you're good for another six years. Or we put, we put Jesus as like a picture on the wall and we just nod to him on the way out as we go our way. That's not what Jesus is getting at when he's telling them to believe. What he's wanting the crowd to see, and he's wanting you and I to see this this morning too. Do you value me, Jesus, above all things? Is Jesus more valuable than food? Is he more valuable than money, than comforts? That's what he's getting at, and he's inviting us to see this because belief in Christ means valuing him above all things. Above all things, you are committing your life to the cause of Christ when you believe in him. So you are no longer your own, but you are owned by Christ. You are owned by him. Do we value, I know I do, so let me just say it up front. I know I value things as a Christian above Christ sometimes. I I do that. I'm confessing that to you as this sermon has been written. I have struggled every single line because I have gone after other things. I don't want to read my Bible sometimes. It's hard. I value my comforts. Or maybe you value people or jobs or kids or success more than the giver of those things. Those are good gifts, right? But they're given to us by God and we should focus on him. He has given us good gifts and he will continue to give us good gifts in this life. But do we value those things more than him? I know that the crowd does and I know at times I do. What would it look like if you believe that reading your Bible, prayer, community, aren't just nice things to do on a Sunday morning or maybe on a Tuesday morning, but that it's necessary for our life, that you would starve without it, that you would be broken without it, seeking after other things. So when we see Jesus in the next section saying the eating and drinking his flesh and his blood, the work of eating and drinking, Jesus starts with belief. We have to believe. So that God may, might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Deuteronomy 8. In the words of St. Augustine, Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. That's what we have to see. Because in the next section, in the next section we see the crowd is too distracted by the gifts that they want from Jesus than to go to Jesus. So let's, let's look. Verse 30. So they said to him, then what sign do you do? that we may see and believe you. Remember, he just fed them, 5,000 plus people. Jesus, what else can you do? Dance for us, Jesus. Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? And this is really interesting when they go this route. 
Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. What they're referencing is in Exodus, Moses, the prophet, gave them bread when they were wandering in the wilderness. And he gave it to them every single morning to the point that they were exhausted by eating it. So they're saying, Jesus, if you claim to be the better prophet that Moses talked about in Deuteronomy 18, then where's our bread? You fed us yesterday, but what have you done for me lately? You fed me yesterday. What are you gonna provide for us today? So that's where they're getting at. And Jesus knows that. He knows that and he goes after them in this way. 32, Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, pay attention, pay attention. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Great, great response, except all they want is more bread. All they want is more bread. They're not really focused on yet. And so Jesus, this next statement just goes right over their head. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Ego me, I am God, and I am the bread that will sustain you, Zoe, for everlasting. Not just this life, but forever. We've seen Zoe and Bios in this series, right? Bios being biology, the physical substance, and Zoe being the purpose, the Greek word here, Zoe being this spiritual nourishment, the purpose for your life. I am the bread of life. And this is why we, we started with believing. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, yet you don't believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Bill talked about this last week. As Christians, we are united to Christ so tightly that there is nothing that can break us. What God has joined together, let no man separate. And I wanna double down on that, that statement today. Jesus in this passage is saying, not only will you be united, but you will persevere to the end of your life, and then you will be with me eternally. And who's gonna preserve you? I will preserve you. Why? Because I'm the bread of life. I will preserve you. I will be your substance. I will be your satisfaction. 41, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread alive, I came down from heaven. Yes, that's a very strange statement. That's why they're a little confused and they don't believe. 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. He says it again. They don't get it. For, or, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. They were focused on the gift, not the giver. I am the living bread that, come, that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He would die on a cross so that he might satisfy the wrath of God that was against us. That is satisfaction. But our lives will be unsatisfied and empty without Christ. But after we believe, do we just believe and then go? No. Your satisfaction, you can be satisfied in Christ by constantly feasting on him. He is not just the bread of life one day, he's the bread of life forever. If you wanna know what staff culture at, this, at the staff is like, um, I've been doing a middle school Bible study for the summer and I bought donuts every week. And so the first week I bought Baker's Pride, which is really good. Somebody in the, uh, the last service told me, Baker, Baker's Pride's better. And it is, really, it is very good, very good. Um, but it's a, 
it's a very filling donut, right? It's like eating an entire cake, right? It's like, it's big. And so I eat a half of one of those and I'm full for the next two weeks. And uh, so I get Krispy Kreme the next week, which one of those is, uh, three of those is not enough, you know what I'm saying? And so um, I'm really playing into the, like, the fat comment that Bill made last week. But anyway, um, so I'm sitting there at a staff meeting and I'm just talking about it. And I just, I'm very hyperbolic. I say stuff a lot that I don't even know what I'm saying. And so I just said, I could eat 12 Krispy Kreme donuts and run a mile. And Holly Fennell sitting next to me says, prove it. And Talavo, my good friend is like, I'll pay for it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> now I've got to commit. Now I've got to prove myself. And it was the worst. Let me tell you, so I had 30 minutes to, run, to eat and run. I didn't make it to the running. I only ate about nine donuts, okay? It was awful. I just was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm gonna be sick in front of everybody watching. It was really bad. And so I just quit. And let me tell you, the rest of the day was awful for me. I, was in, I had the longest sugar high I've ever had in my life, <laughs> lasted six hours, and I had the longest sugar crash in my life, and that lasted 24 hours. I just forgot what happened that day. I don't even know what happened. And it literally was like poisoning myself. I, that's what I did to myself that day, is I poisoned myself. And here's the problem, is that I didn't savor, I didn't enjoy, I wasn't even satisfied by any of those donuts. It was awful. But what we see in our passage today is that Jesus is saying that to savor our savior is the life of the believer. That we are to savor him, we are to be satisfied in him. Not just one day, but for the rest of our days. The more that we savor him, the more that we will be satisfied in him. Christian, you must be constantly tasting and seeing, internalizing, indulging, and feasting on Christ. J.D. Greer, a pastor in North Carolina, says Jesus is sharing the gospel in the idea of internalizing bread. Think about it. How do we eat bread? We're gonna take communion today. How will you eat that wafer? You gotta break it down with your teeth, just like Christ's body would be broken for us. We have to break down that bread and internalize it the same way that Jesus' blood would be poured out. Water has to be poured out into us to internalize us and sustain us. The meal for our starving souls, our pothole-filled souls, was provided entirely by God. It was provided entirely by God. The eternal Son of God is the bread that fills us eternally. So what what would it look like to internalize or indulge or feast on Christ? I think it's a little obvious, okay? We've seen it a lot through this series, and it's been awesome. Read your Bible, pray, go to church, be in community, study theology. It won't hurt you. It'll sustain you. It's great. But what happens when we don't do that? That's what I wanna get after because the crowd's not doing that. The crowd's not doing that. So what do we do when we go after moldy bread? When we go after, as Clint said one time, the bread of death. We need to reorient our lives, right? The crowd needed to do this, but they didn't. They continued to not believe. So think about it this way. My wife and I, whenever we go somewhere where I don't know where I'm supposed to, or like, I don't know where the address is. Like if one of you, Gave me your address. I don't know where that's at, so I'd have to look it up on my phone. So I get in the car, I'm driving, and Alyssa will look up where we're going, and I'm notorious for just taking off. I just, I, I'm like, okay, they live south, I'm heading south, okay? That works about 80% of the time. 20% of the time, that's where a lot of our arguments come from. And, and I'm a dummy because I have not stopped doing it. And I may stop after this, who knows, probably not. But anyway, I will go sometimes so far in the wrong direction 
that it, the phone eventually, like 15 minutes later, I've been going the wrong direction 15 minutes. What do I need to do? Do I just continue to go in the wrong direction? No, I need to humble myself and I need to listen to the voice of my wife. Amen, Amen. that guy gets it. <laughs> that guy, that's my father-in-law by the way, he gets it, right? He gets it, right? I have to humble myself and I have to turn around. It'd be foolish to just keep going the, right, the wrong way. Christians, when we go the wrong way in seeking after satisfa- satisfaction, whether it be our families, in our kids, in our jobs, in our successes, in our image that we post on social media, in our comforts, what do we do when we mess up? This is what the church has been doing for 2,000 plus years because David did it in Psalm 51. We need to confess and repent. We need to confess our sins to the Lord because that is who we sin against first and foremost. And we need to repent. We need to go to those who we sin against. What do we do when we mess up? We go to the Lord and we confess, Lord, I have gone the wrong way. Help me to follow you, to feast on you. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is not like an angry father who would just abuse us. No, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 116, seven, return, O my soul, to your rest for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Go back to the source of life. If you've looked for satisfaction in your job, in the comforts of your life, in your kids, maybe it's their behavior from one day to the next, go to the Lord, return to him, find satisfaction in there, in him, because he alone can satisfy your soul. And when we falter, right, he's faithful. When we falter, he's faithful. And the crowd doesn't get that. They don't believe. Again, they're still distracted on the bread. And now they're kind of realizing we're not gonna get what we wanted. So let's see how this finishes up. The Jews then dispute among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, okay, I'm gonna do it again. Pay attention. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He's tripling down on this statement cannibalize me. But again, he's just talking about belief because they have not believed. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. We're about to take communion today. We are not retaking Christ's blood in his flesh. That is once for all, but we are remembering the grace that he has given to us in that. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread that the fathers ate and died because they didn't believe. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Of course, if you haven't believed, it's hard. Even if you have believed, it's hard. 62, Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life. This word life here is not zoe, it's poieo, which means new life which means a new creation, making live again. And so what he's saying is, and he's about to say it, you can't do this on your own. You can't be satisfied on your own. You can't do anything to satisfy God or to please God on your own. It is the spirit who gives poieo, new life, new creation. The flesh, your work, is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. 66, after this, many of his disciples, it's an interesting word that John uses there, 
False disciples, obviously, but disciples nonetheless, turned back and no longer walked with him. Your life will be unsatisfied. It will be empty without Christ when we don't believe in him, when we don't seek him, when we don't feast on him, and we get a clear example of what it looks like to seek something else. The crowd is seeking satisfaction in the mediocrity. They are seeking in temporary things that they think can satisfy them. They see Jesus, they want bread from Jesus, he's not gonna give it to them, and so they're like, I'm out of here. This was cool yesterday, it's not cool today. I was, Bill has mentioned it a lot, um, there's been this like outbreak on staff of watching Band of Brothers. Watching Band of Brothers, it's a great show. Um, disclaimer. Just parents, you watch it first and then, okay, I'm the middle school pastor, I don't wanna get in trouble. Right, but it's a great show, it's a great show. And, and then moving into the Pacific, that's where my great-grandfather served, so I'm just moving into World War II general history. And when you get into that, you start getting into the evils of World War II, right? Of Nazi Germany and what they did in those concentration camps. And I'm moving into this history, just watching as much as I can get, and I'm watching this documentary on Auschwitz which if you don't know anything about Auschwitz, it was the worst concentration camp of Nazi Germany. In four and a half years, they killed 1.1 million people. That's a lot of people in a very short amount of time. And I'm watching this documentary and, there, and, and it starts talking about this work camp or work unit that I've never heard of before. It's called Zonderkommando Units. Okay, and what these, this work unit was is they were made up of prisoners, Jewish prisoners in Auschwitz, and on the threat of their life, they, their job, their only job, was to take the bodies from gas chambers to cre crematories, to take their friends and their family members from one place to another. And I'm watching this and I am just crying. I just can't control, I am like, oh my goodness. And then they start interviewing one of them. And then I'm, and I'm just can't, I can't take it anymore, I'm losing it because he starts talking about when he first started this horrible job that he was forced to do, it horrified him. He, he felt so much guilt and shame over what he was being made to do, over what he had to do. And then this is where I just couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. He said, but over time, I had to get used to it. I had to get used to this evil that I was doing, that I was forced to do. And I am weeping there because I am thinking of how evil this is and how easy is, is it for me to get used to my sin. How easy it is to, for me to get used to seeing the beauty of Jesus and not feasting on him. For the crowd in this passage to see Jesus and not believe, to see the giver of life and not go to him. I am weeping over this, how easy is it from RJ to get used to his pride, to his anger, to his comforts, and not to go to the giver of life and find peace and satisfaction? The same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay, in the words of Charles Spurgeon. The same sun that hardened the, the hearts of, these, of this crowd, I pray today, will heart, melt the wax of our hearts. They saw the beauty, but they didn't believe. And we can learn a couple things from this, Christian or not, right? When we deny Christ, we're trusting in lies. 
We're trusting in lies. We're eating donuts when we need something that can actually produce for us. We're filling our lives, or filling the potholes in our lives with whoopee cushions and it's not working. And one of the worst lies of the enemy that, that he tells us is that we can feast later. That we should enjoy life now and then one day we can enjoy Christ. That, and middle schoolers believe this too. It's not, it's not just us. It's after high school, after college, after I get a house, after I get a spouse, after I get a dog, maybe two dogs, after I get a couple kids, maybe I have grandkids, maybe after I get really high up in my job and then I retire. That lie has permeated especially American culture for so long and it causes a laziness and then death takes over and it kills It kills people, it kills this crowd. Maybe if I wanna come back to Jesus, I'll come back to him later. Don't be as Peter says, like a dog returning to his own vomit, thinking that there's, in that vomit, there's life there, that can be sustained there. Denying Christ, Christian, hurts your communion with Christ. What do I mean by that? I mean this, our unity with Christ, our salvation, we are unified to Christ, Our salvation is not hurt, but how we commune with Christ is hurt when we go after other things. If I have a tone with my wife, that doesn't affect the unity of my marriage. That affects the communion in my marriage, right? That affects the communion in it. It is harder for us to read our Bibles, to love the Lord, to pray, to love others, to follow Christ, to feast on Christ when we commune, when we consume sin all the time. It hurts our relationship with him. It doesn't hurt his relationship with us, it hurts our relationship to him. This is why we must be constantly bringing our sin to the light and murdering it. And what is that light? It's Jesus Christ, right? I am the light of the world. And we need to follow Jesus Christian, if you, you are unified to Christ and that cannot be broken, but we can hinder that relationship, can we not? In the past month, I feel like I have hindered my own at times where I have just starved myself of his word. And that ultimately hurts the new growth that, the, that Jesus talks about here, the spirit. Denying, the Christ, denying Christ means living in the flesh, trying to make it on our own and not in the new life that Christ offers. Christians, when we seek anything else to satisfy our life, we are trying to be satisfied in what we think will actually satisfy us. When we try to please God by trying harder, just white knuckling it or rejecting, we are just rejecting the truth of his message. When we try to find peace, security in anything other than the Lord, we are just working in the flesh and not in the spirit. Paul says about the spirit, Galatians 5, 16, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does it look like to walk in the spirit according to what Jesus is saying in this passage? I think we can summarize it in this. You are what you eat. You are what you eat. If you are feasting on sin, then that will reflect in your life. But if you are feasting on Christ through his word, through prayer, through community at this church, then that will be, your diet will be reflected in your life. We are what we eat. Christian, if you're seeking him, you can be satisfied in Christ. Obviously, first through belief, then feasting and following. You can be satisfied. But the crowd disagreed. They didn't believe. They said, nah, uh uh-uh, uh-uh, not doing that. 
and they walked away. And I wish I could have asked them this one question that fortunately Jesus asks. Where else can you go? Where else can you go? Where, where are you going to go? Are you gonna go back to the things that you think have satisfied you? Because they won't. But Jesus fortunately asks this question to the 12, 67. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter, in all of his faults, said one of the most glorious things that we could ever read together on my best day I could never have said. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom else can we go, church? Where else can we go? Where else can we find satisfaction like this? Jesus says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Go to Christ because we can't go anywhere else to find this satisfaction in the bread of life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I thank you. In the sinfulness of my heart, Lord, I have sought after so many things in my life before I have said, before I have humbled myself and believed in you, thank you by your spirit. But Lord, I have gone after so many things and I still go after so many things that I think can satisfy me temporary, that I think can satisfy me for long-term, but in reality, it's just a short-term temporary thing. And so Lord, I just pray that you would continue to convict all of us, continue, continue to convict me that you are better than anything that this world can offer. It is anything, you are better than anything our hands can strive for. You are better than anything that even you can give us. The gifts you give us, Lord, are amazing. And we thank you and we praise you for the, the voices of children in this room, for the, the cars that we drive and for the houses that we live in. We thank you for so much, Lord. But I pray that our eyes would not be focused on those things, but that we would turn our eyes to you, that we would taste and see that you are good, Lord. We thank you in your son's name, amen.